Hello, hello, and welcome to the 11th episode of the Raw Life Podcast, the podcast where I talk to strangers about their life experiences. My name is Paul, and I'm joined today by my guest, sorry, <laughs> by my guest called Chad. Hi, um, I'm Chad. I'm 30 years old, live in the uh, central United States in Nebraska, and I'm a part-time stay-at-home parent and a part-time uh, radio production operator. Really? A radio production operator as well? And part-time parent? Yeah, yeah. Um, in the evenings, um, I mainly help cover uh, sporting events and remote broadcasts and stuff like that. So whenever the folks at the the actual people that talk on the radio um, are out doing the sporting events, um, uh, American football games, um, basketball games, volleyball, whatever. I'm the person in the studio that's actually running everything while they're doing the broadcast. That sounds crazy. Okay, we'll get to that in a sec. You uh, you said that you live in Nebraska. Do you uh, originally come from Nebraska or have you moved? Or um, I'm originally from Pennsylvania here in the U.S. Ah, okay. And how is Nebraska treating you compared to Pennsylvania? Um, in all fairness, uh, um, I like Pennsylvania a lot more. <laughs> ah, okay. okay. What's about Nebraska? Um, well, Pennsylvania is one of those states that's, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in the state. Just driving around anywhere, you know, you'll just enjoy it because of all of the, you know, the, the, the mountainous terrain and the beautiful views and all that. Out here in Nebraska, it's just flat just oh, really, really really boring and flat oh, <laughs> none of them like mountains that you see on the films and stuff like that oh no 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 um <laughs> they uh literally cornfield you know farmland as far as the eye can see out here i mean literally just corn as far as the eye can see not even kidding <laughs> i mean the, the thing is that that sort of sounds like a nice view to me, just like fields of corn, because I look out my window tomorrow and it's just like a few houses because it's London. I mean, I like London, but it's just houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, for some people it might be a good escape, but as far as um, living out here, it's not very, um, it, it's very dull as far as, you know, like the day-to-day, -day, you know, driving to work and, you know, everything else like that. Okay, well... Do you reckon maybe one day you'd move back to um, Pennsylvania? I'm hoping, but um, as of right now, it's just not in the cards. No, I get you. Obviously, like, I imagine like due to work and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. T tell me more about this work then, because obviously you said that you're, you're sort of like behind the scenes, you're sorting everything out as well. Yeah. Um, so the radio station that I work at is, you know, we're pretty much the only radio station within at least um an hour maybe hour and a half something like that and so we will cover all sorts of things um so we've got the athletic director who will uh come up with what games are going to broadcast everything else like that and you know like i said i'm just the monkey in the studio pushing the button so to speak <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but these jobs that's the thing and like it sounds like a really cool job like obviously I, I don't do what you do but it sounds interesting oh yeah yeah um i uh <laughs> on top of that i also help out with the radio station i mean right now we're not doing it because of the uh all of the covid stuff but um they also do um live broadcasts online um of 
different events, um, sometimes football games, um, tractor pulls, dirt track rallies, uh, stuff like that. That sounds really cool. So I think I imagine the tractor pulls. I could be completely wrong here, but are they when like the strongmen like pull the tractors to show off the strength? <laughs> um, it's actually the other way around. It's to showcase. So the tractors will start at one end and pull a specialized cart that has a weight on it, and the weight will get significantly heavier and heavier as there's a um, almost like a big metal slide that had, that holds the weight and the weight will move to the front of the of the trailer increasing the weight capacity of the tractor so to see as far as how far the tractor can pull and there's let me tell you they take tractor pulling seriously out here in nebraska holy <laughs> crap i've seen I, I my first one which was last summer um I want to say I saw like six different tractors that legitimately had jet engines on them. No way. Jet engines on a tractor. Yeah. Yes. Jet engines on a tractor. There was another one that had a, um, I believe it was like a B-52 bomber engine, um, propeller engine on it. Oh my god! That that had been modified, and yeah, let, like let me tell you, they take tractor pulling very seriously out here. <laughs> oh man! Like that that sounds really interesting to watch. That I did not expect that was as, as tractor pulling. I thought these strong men, you know, coming in maybe pulling tractors or lifting them, not tractors with like you know B fifty two bomber engines. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. But um, as far as the um helping with like the radio broadcasts and stuff like that um it's honestly one of the easiest jobs you know anyone can have in my opinion um i'm very lucky to work where i do they uh the people that i work with are really really laid back and relaxed and i can pretty much you know i can show up you know i can literally show up in sweatpants and a hoodie if i wanted to you know whatever there's no any kind yeah yeah there's no dress code anything like that um and even as long as i'm i pay good enough attention and all that like if i want to go out for a smoke break anything like that um as long as i'm paying good enough attention to my my uh radio broadcaster um i can have as many smoke breaks as i want within the span of time that i work it sounds like a it sounds like a pretty relaxed and chilled place but when you're needed you've got to be like on the ball snap and you've got to be able to get it done quick oh yeah yeah it's definitely a nice change of pace compared to some of the other jobs um that i've had um as far as like you said where it's you know always quick 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 all the time all the time got to get things done as fast as possible yeah no i get that but it, it sounds pretty cool i gotta ask you that how did you even get into this line of work i had previously moved to nebraska for a love interest that didn't work out um and when i was living with her um they had an ad in the local paper for a radio broadcaster you know a production operator so it's like okay um i'll just you know throw my hat in the ring and you know see if i get it and turns out i got it well after a few months i worked there for was it just shy of a uh or no like four or five months and in that four or five month span um i'd met the woman who's now my wife 
And, you know, at that time, me and my love interest were broken up and I just didn't have the money to move back to Pennsylvania or anywhere. Um, I ended up having to leave the job because my wife, my now wife and I were um, actually moving to Pennsylvania. So um, after we moved back, I first thing I did was um, give them a call, see if you know they still had the position open and they if they still needed help and all that. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, go on. And it's literally the first job interview I've ever had that I've walked in with flip flops and still got the job. Oh my god, you wore to move flip flops? <laughs> yeah, yeah, walked in wearing um, athletic shorts, a shirt, and flip flops, and I like he pretty much said that over the phone that, you know, yes, you got to come in for an interview, but you already have the job. It's pretty much a formality at this point. Oh, okay. So the job was already obviously secure. It's just a, a, sort of like a checkup. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Just, you know, double checking, giving, reacquainting me with the studio and everybody there, um, refilling out some of the paperwork and all that. That, that's crazy that you actually just went into it with flip-flops. I mean, it's such a brave move. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't even thinking about it at the time. And I go walking in walking in for the interview, and I'm at the door, and I look down, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm wearing flip-flops. <laughs> that's badass, but, that is. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I still landed the job. Right, so we did a, like a nice little introduction. Um, the next two questions I ask everybody that comes on the show. Um, it's like I said, feel free not to answer whatever you don't want to answer. So the first question I have for you is, what's the best thing that's happened to you in your life? I know it's, you know, kind of almost cliche, whatever. Um, I hear but that I... Really often, <laughs> 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 yeah, but I would honestly have to say my wife and kids. Um, especially, you know, my wife, if... It wouldn't be for her coming along when she did. Um, things for me, looking back on it, would be completely different than what they are now. And like a big impact on your life. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, she was. She came into my life when, pretty much, I was just about at my worst. I mean, you know, raging depression, um, more or less going to the bar instead of uh, on weekends off, instead of hanging out with people, I would just go to the bar and just drink and just get my mind, try to get my mind off of things. And sometimes it helped, sometimes it didn't, but, um, it's but yeah, I mean, get your mind off stuff though, isn't it? Obviously when. Sorry to interrupt you, by the way, but like when when things are constantly on your head, and obviously you're in that state of like depression, it's very hard to try and see clearly. So you just try and do other activities to constantly keep you busy. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, I know that for lack of a better term, um, depression's become almost a household name, you know. And I'm not, you know, putting anybody down that that really does have depression, but you have. You know, it's become so common that it almost gets, um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it, it almost gets that, you know, people will use it as an excuse and all that. And, you know, it's like, you know, some, you know, I just as an example, you know, you got some Miss 20 something who 
has a job and she gets fired from it or something like that. So she goes to her doctor and, oh, I'm depressed. And I mean, I don't know about over in the UK, but most doctors over here, if you bring up depression, they're just more than willing to just throw antidepressants at you, more or less. Yeah, so I mean, over here, it's that the actual disease is being overlooked just by the phrase depression itself almost by the by its name like i said um going back um <laughs> i mean like my life if my wife didn't come along when she did i can honestly say that my life would look a lot differently and maybe not in a good way well most likely not in a good way yeah because obviously what you said as well like you just drinking at the bar and you know drinking at the bar obviously can lead to you know being becoming an alcoholic so Oh, yeah, yeah, and nobody's got money for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beer's too expensive. <laughs> but that's good, like, I'm really glad that, you know, you, you met your you met your wife and your friend and you got, like, this family now. So it seems that things are going in a much more positive way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's an up and down battle i mean you know almost daily daily especially when you've got kids i mean there's some days that they're absolute little angels and you know they they're nice and watch tv and then there's other days you blink and your entire house is a disaster and you're sitting there just wondering what the hell just happened <laughs> they turn into like little devils <laughs> exactly exactly that's good though man. i'm really glad that the family is the best thing that's happened to you that's it's it's a nice positive to hear and a lot of people always say you know it's cliche but you know it's family it has that like that nice love connection exactly and i mean from some you know i've been depressed since since high school and you know which is saying something now you know sitting and being 30 and it's it's nice to for someone who naturally even in a crowd in a party setting whatever even around friends still feels alone to have somebody that is always there when you go home to them you know whenever you go home and versus going home and you're just going home to an empty apartment i imagine it's a different feeling Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 almost yeah. It, people sometimes take it for granted and all that, but I mean, from someone from someone who's who's been there, and it's definitely something nice to look to. I'm really glad that's a big positive in your life. It sounds like things are actually going quite nice. Obviously, like you said, you have your ups and downs, but it sounds like you're in a much better position than you previously was. <sighs> Yeah, de most definitely, most definitely. So, uh, one of the next questions uh, I'm going to ask you now, I mean, it, you might have already answered this, talking about it, but what's the worst thing that's happened to you in life? The worst thing that happened, um, well, I would, to give a little bit of backstory as far as the worst thing, and, you know, this is the event that more or less triggered my depression and put me in that you know, pretty much decade long, if not longer down, you know, downward spiral and all that yeah. is, um, that, like, big hole that you just can't climb out Exactly. Um, we had, uh, growing up, my sister and I, um, would volunteer at a day camp. Um, and, um, one of the new counselors couldn't, her babysitter canceled last minute and all that. So she's like, okay, well, you know, my parents came home 
you know, you know, my sister came home with this little baby who she was babysitting and it's like, you know, okay, you know, this, we, we've got to watch some, you know, it's like, you're just coming home with someone else's kid, you know what? And, um, little kid's name was Michael and, you know, we, over the months and all that, we ended up having a growing relationship with a Michael and his mother and his older brother, Brian. And they, you know, we ended up getting really close to them. And, you know, there was even a couple times because she lived just probably three or four blocks down the street from where my parents lived. And so there'd be, you know, even a couple times I'd walk down there to get them and all that. And, you know, there'd be, you know, sometimes where, you know, I'd go to pick him up and he'd have his typical, you know, um, you know, like a little kid being bored. <sighs> And, and, you know, I, I, I come walking through the door and his face just, you know, lights up and, you know, he doesn't want mom or anybody. He just wants me. And that's one of my greatest memories. Um, but his mom ended up jumping the gun and moved in with a guy that she had more or less just met, um, about an hour and a half away, just completely out of the blue. Big commitment. Yeah. And... You know, like I said, hour, hour and a half away, all that, um, more or less just met the guy and moved in with him and all that. And, uh, we ended up getting a phone call that Michael had been in an accident that Michael had almost drowned in a bathtub and all that. So me and my entire family, we pack in the car and drive down to Pittsburgh to the children's hospital down there. And... We end up getting getting there just behind um, her uh, her biological family, and they end up po- popping out of the car and they tell us, you know, it. We were on the phone the entire way down. It wasn't a drowning. Her boyfriend just beat the shit out of him, and um, you know we get up there and do all that um, as far as visiting him and all that, and. Later, we ended up finding out that um, Michael's mom and the boyfriend got into it and she had to leave for work. Well, Michael started crying because mom left for work and he ended up taking out all of his anger on Michael. And he, when I saw him in the, in the hospital, he looked nothing like the little boy that I helped take care of his, the entire side of his face was swollen. His shoulder was swollen. The doctors were sure that either his collarbone or his entire shoulder period was busted. Um, there were puncture wounds from bite marks on his arms. I mean, it was just God awful. And we ended up hearing a few days later, um, that they, that he, that the doctors think that, you know, it, it, it would be a very long road for recovery, but that he would make it. But then all of a sudden, one day, it was just, the doctors just decided, you know, and we were even planning on heading back down to visit. And we get a phone call that Michael, the, the doctors told her that Michael wasn't going to make it and that she pulled the plug. Yeah, and... Doing the funeral and all that, and 
I mean, the day of his funeral, you know, we did the the service and going out to and doing the internment and all that. And, you know, it's it, where I grew up in Pennsylvania, just a really, really small town. And I ended up, I was just so broken after after that and i literally walked all the way across town um to the graveyard and just sat at the foot of his grave and cried for about three hours and that by far out of anything that i've gone through in life is the worst thing that's ever happened and should have never happened but it did and i can honestly say it still haunts me to this day don't fucking get why someone would do that to a kid. I don't yeah. I don't fucking understand it. Like please tell me this guy went to fucking jail. Or- um afterwards, after the fact. Um please tell me at least he, like at least Well, he went in and any of the times that he, that they had a court appearance, he was beat to shit. And, you know, thankfully the inmates gave that gave him their own justice. And, you know, in my opinion, the guy deserved a lot worse. But um, we, besides that, there wasn't really any justice for him, for Michael. Um, the judge gave him time served. They basically all came to a deal and gave him time served. But if he messed up again even if he, the cops were called on him once it would automatically be 10 years so hang on and i'm served sorry is that he's going to jail for a certain period of time or is he still out pretty much after the what that means is after he gets back to the jail the following day he'd be released what the fuck yeah but but he'd be, he'd be- but this guy was yeah and i really do wish that he would have gotten more time but there was nothing that you know could be done about it and yeah he should have been in for life or you know capital punishment however you view it whatever i mean the guy deserved it but the judge and all that saw it a different way and like I said, there was a deal made, and um, Michael's mom just just wanted to get it over with, from what I understand. And so, but the guy is, like right now, he's declared mentally incompetent because of some tests that he took for the, for the court. You know, I apologize ahead of time because it's the actual terms that they used. But um, they actually considered him mentally retarded, you know. So now for the rest of his life, he's considered mentally retarded. And he, like, um, his mother calls, from what I understand, his mother calls the cops on him all the time. So, or the next time he gets, there's like a domestic dispute call, anything like that, automatic 10 years in prison. Or if he gets arrested for something else, it doesn't matter if it's a, no matter what it is. But there's automatic 10 years tacked on. In my opinion, that guy should have got life in jail and beat up by every fucking inmate in there. Oh yeah, exactly. With how things go, you know, especially in the prison system, from what I've, you know, again, from what I've heard here in America, 
it's I'm even surprised he lived to make it to trial, you know, because especially on the inside, it it's, you know, completely different world than what is than what is outside. And, you know, there's been countless, um, you know, whether it be pedophilia cases or child abuse or um, sexual assault against a minor, you know, anything like that. And the guy doesn't even finish his trial because he's been uh, killed on the inside. Just makes me think there's really some sick fucking people in this world, isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah. But that's like I said. I mean, that's that's the event that put me on a downward spiral. And I mean, pretty much the entire following year, maybe even two, I barely slept at all. And I mean, I mean, I realized the French, you know, might have stopped the guillotine back in what was it, like the seventies? Yeah, I think it was nineteen seventy-seven, something like that. But uh, like if there's one thing that I would have more agreed that they would have brought the guillotine back for it. It, it definitely would have been that. I just, I don't get how you can fucking do that to a kid, man. Like, I got how old was Michael? He was a year and a half old when he died. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I just don't. I, don't I mean, I even. On a, on a flash drive in our safe, I even have a video still of Michael taking his first steps at, at my parents' house. And, you know, it's like I was hoping to, you know, almost embarrass and show him that at his graduation, not a memorial video for his funeral. That's, that's, I don't know what to say, Chad. I'll, I'll be honest, like, I've never really experience anything like that and yeah it's 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 such a shame that like to fucking because you, you hear about these stories in the news and stuff like that but like to actually talk to someone who's like being through this is fucking it's fucking rough yeah and i mean you know anytime i mean there was you know, anytime i've I've, you know, looked on the news or heard on the radio or, you know, anything like that as far as a child being killed for whatever reason. You know, it's just, it, it, it automatically takes me back to then. And, I mean, it's, you just don't know how, how someone can be so mentally messed up to be willing to snuff the life and innocence out of a small child and it, it's just mind-blowing how how much that it will just tear you apart on as a person to experience something like that firsthand God, the guy is just fucking disgusting it's absolutely disgusting yeah and I mean, I'm, right now, I don't know what has happened to him. I don't even know if the dude, if the guy's even still alive, to be completely honest. But... Well, personally, I hope someone that's sick is fucking rotting somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, there's... You know, it, it messed me... It, you know, it messed me up a lot, but... You know, it more or less led to a chain reaction of things that ended up getting me to where I am today. So yes, it is messed up and 
you know, heartbreaking on multiple levels. But if it wouldn't have happened, then, I mean, I probably wouldn't have met my wife. I probably wouldn't have my kids. So... It definitely is. Wow, I feel bad for asking you that. Oh, no. No problem. No problem. I mean, even just the act of talking about it, you know, here for this podcast is, you know, helping bringing awareness to, you know, how serious domestic violence can be. And, you know, I realize that there's you know the world right now is has you know at least here in the u.s is you know the defund the police riots in almost every major city in the u.s but it's those in you know for lack of a better term to call them kids that are out there protesting you know wanting the police defunded and everything else like that if even one person would have heard and called 911 then Michael would have still would still be alive. They would have the cops would have got there in time to save him. But, you know, it didn't happen. But, you know, domestic violence is an extremely serious issue and, you know, a lot of people just don't get how heartbreaking it can be to even secondhand thirdhand people like me and my family were to Michael and the situation that happened you know let alone being a close family member to the person that's getting assault you know that's getting the crap kicked out of them to the point that they die it definitely is sometimes I just sometimes I just want to leave this planet I really do well I definitely I actually did sign up for the the uh, Mars mission that Elon Musk is doing, but I didn't get chosen. So. Oh damn! And now you gotta have like some like crazy requirements for that, haven't you? Oh yeah, like you gotta be in peak physical condition and you know all sorts of stuff. But you know, I only got to the you know basically just filling out and submitting the application. I didn't even get any interviews or anything. Do you reckon you would have gone though if you if you had actually been accepted? Mars. At the time, yeah, I honestly would have. But I take it Mars is not for you. <laughs> well, you know, if the wife and kids can come along, why not? I mean, with how <laughs> things have been going lately around the world and everything going going crazy to the point that we don't know when normal's going to come back. So, I mean, you know, maybe Mars is a good is a is a good place to go. <laughs> So, Maybe. <laughs> one of the, so I've got like this, I have this wheel and I'll spin it and it'll just generate a question for me. And I've written it, it's just I have no idea what's going to come up. But okay. The, the first one that's uh, come up is, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear, I would honestly say is, oh no, this might, <laughs> just a forewarning, it might get a little deep, but um, my own mortality. What do you mean by your own mortality? What I mean by my own mortality, and it's not that, you know, like everybody says as far as that, you know, oh, you know, if you fear your own mortality, then you're afraid of death. And it's not that. It's, you know, with how 
fragile life is and you know what impact will i leave and will i leave at an opportune time that you know i can see my kids grow up and you know see my grandkids whenever they're born or whatever and will i leave when when i have time to you know teach my son how to be a proper you know to be a man or not and you know show him how to properly treat women and you know all of the stuff that dads teach their sons or you know you know any of that stuff and just the fear and also with that the fear of the unknown of what does come after death so and you know each religion has something different but you know whether it is some kind of heaven and hell system or reincarnation or just nothingness i mean just you know that's more or less what i mean by my own mortality at least in my opinion in your opinion what do you reckon is after death do you reckon there is another life do you reckon what do you reckon happens i hope that there is a heaven because of you know the things that happened and being able to see michael again and um a few years ago my grandfather died unexpectedly and you know being able to see him and my grandmother again and you know stuff like that um so i would honestly say that i hope that there is heaven. yeah that there is a heaven afterwards so if, if there is a heaven afterwards that means it's got to be a hell though as well yeah but then it gets down to philosophically as far as okay is if, you know if there really is a hell how can it be worse than the world that we live in now I mean, that's nice. I always, how do you picture heaven? Because, like, I don't know whether I believe in it or not, like, speaking from me, but I imagine if it was, it'd be like one big, like, dinner table and, like, all your friends and family sitting around just eating. How I picture it, I would say, is, you know, not, definitely not the, you know, the Bible thumping, you know, white pearly gates and, you know, everything is pristine and white and clean and, you know, everybody's walking around in white robes. No, you know, none of that. And like, this does not exist there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's no speck of dirt to be seen anywhere, you know. But, um, how I almost see it is for you know, no other way to put it is almost like a rich person's compound that, you know, several different, you know, hundreds of different mansions and areas to play and, you know, whatever. And, you know, anytime someone goes to come up through the gates, then it's, you know, there's a crowd of all those who knew this, you know, this person that is now entering heaven that is you know not only coming there to welcome them but coming there to reunite with them be together again yeah exactly i think it's interesting how we've got from that though from like what is your biggest fear so it's interesting how it's evolved in the conversation <laughs> yeah, heaven and hell. yeah oh yeah yeah conversations can lead you anywhere <laughs> 
it's just interesting just talking to someone random. <laughs> exactly. Right, and so the next one is, what's the funniest drunk story you have? Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I, I knew I'd get this one. <laughs> it's not me. It's the wheel that chooses. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so after high school, I went to college for a little bit. Um, as far as college, long story short, um, I dropped out because my my heart wasn't in it as far as for the major that I was going for or, you know, any major and you know, I more or less just went for because it was the thing to do after high school. But while I was in college, I did, um, and this is also the story of how I got my um, fraternity name for the fraternity that I was a part of in, in college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I went over to a buddy of mine's dorm room and we were sitting there drinking and he he gets a text message he's like hey uh guy knows having a party at his dorm across campus you want to go okay yeah sure and there were a couple of irish exchange students there and you know of course anything when it comes to drinking and irish it's just a really bad combination but um no offense to any Irish listening, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, we ended up, I ended up getting there and they are talking trash on every nationality as far as, you know, what, like when it comes to drinking and everything else like that. And, you know, me and my family, we are, uh, Scottish and, you know, they ended up getting going down the list and they get to the Scots and you know, I'm like, I put my foot down, I'm like, no, just no. It's like, oh, well what, you want to drink over it? I'm like, yeah, what do we have a fresh bottle of? And somebody pulls out a fresh bottle of Captain Morgan hundred proof. Just literally out of nowhere. I remember the first six shots. And from what I'm told is and this is my friend's standpoint, so you know, take it with a grain of salt if you want. <laughs> but <laughs> He said, I ended up drinking them under the table, surprisingly, and he ends up walking me back to campus and I ended up getting so drunk that I wet myself and <laughs> my roommates thought it was hilarious. And I'm pretty sure, you know, doing the whole video cameras and everything else. And I'm sure that at the time I thought that my friend that was helping me was one of my roommates and I clocked him in the face. Yeah, and so I ended up earning, with that, my fraternity name, which is the Drunken Scottish Boxer. <laughs> the Drunken Scottish Boxer, I like it. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't do too much more boxing now after. <laughs> oh no, no more boxing after that, no. <laughs> just a one-time champ. <laughs> yes, yes, just one-time champ, yep. Go out on top. <laughs> right, I'm interested to hear the next one now. Now, so tell me an embarrassing story about yourself. Hmm. <laughs> Everyone normally thinks on this one as well. I imagine they're thinking, "What's the least embarrassing story?" <laughs> well, there's the one that my parents always give me grief about, and I'm sure they'll get they'll get a kick out of this if you know after this is you know 
published and put out there and all that, they'll get a kick out of me bringing this up on air. Growing up in Pennsylvania and... You know, in case you didn't know, um, I, I only know this because my daughter's doing a report on Pennsylvania, um, that Pennsylvania has the highest Amish population in the world. Really? I had no idea. Yeah. And um, growing up, my, my, my parents and my grandparents on my mom's side that only lived like 15 minutes away from us had some Amish friends that lived probably a good 20 30 minutes away from where we lived and periodically like maybe once a month if not you know it maybe a little bit less or more um would go over there and visit and all that and i was i want to say three or four years old okay pretty young yeah yes pretty young and you know something like that and they had a little boy who's the same age that I was named Titus and him and I would always get into all sorts of trouble and get chased around by their giant rooster that just hated people. Um, <laughs> but that's a story for another time. Um, we'll have to do a part two. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I can't quite remember exactly how old I was, but we were walking through the barn and they had pigs and I was up on the gate to the pig pen. Well, one of the pigs comes over and flops down in the mud. Well, when he flopped, he ended up hitting the gate. And I ended up losing my balance and go ass over tin cups, face first into the the pig slop. And have to go climb out, go running up to the house, completely covered in pig shit. <laughs> and I, I just come in and you know, my parents say how I how I exactly said it was, I fell in the pig poop, <laughs> and the husband of the the Amish couple that we were visiting picked me up by the back of my shirt and took me outside and took my clothes off and threw them away because they were just a lost cause at that point, and ended up giving me a pair of Titus's clothes to wear, and you know I thought it was cool dressing up as a little Amish boy for the day, um, at the time, but. For my parents said for at least a few months afterwards, anytime I would meet anybody, I would say, I fell in the pig poop and it stinks. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's my, uh, that <laughs> I would probably say is my most embarrassing story, at least that I can come up with off the top of my head. <laughs> I honestly, I think it's a good one. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're probably gonna be howling, laughing so hard. Listen to this later. <laughs> so the last question I ask you, I ask everybody on here: Do you have an end goal in life? My end goal, I would say, is to when I do finally reach, you know, the point where you know I know that death is near and all that, that I can look back and you know, you know, be able to accept, you know, basically the whole accept death with open arms and say that I've, you know, lived a happy and fulfilling life. You know, I'm, you know, before I die, you know, I'm hoping to, you know, be, you know, go and visit the UK and Scotland and visit other countries and 
have other experiences and all that. And, you know, yes, I am 30 and some people might say I'm already halfway there, but, um, just that I would say my end goal is that I live a fulfilling enough life that, you know, at the end I can peacefully accept death rather than, you know, try to hold on to every last second in, you know, agony, agony and anguish and, you know, all that to fight yeah yeah you know those people that you know i you know i don't want to die as their life is fading from their eyes you know just so that way i can be able to look back and saw that i've had a fulfilling life and just to be able to accept it i think that's a nice end goal to have just something you know do something that you're proud of have a nice life and look back and say you know what i did pretty well yep yep exactly I think that's a good way to be. So I just want to say thank you again to the audience for listening to the Raw Life podcast. It's been great having Chad on there. We've had quite obviously a deep talk and we've talked about, you know, domestic violence. But we have tried to bring it back as well and have a laugh, you know, with his drunk stories, a giant rooster and the man that fell in pig shit. (laughs) I just want to say, Chad, it's been absolutely interesting and great to talk to you today. Thanks for having me. No problem. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.